This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. What is up? Happy Wednesday. This is Shira. Ryan is out. So I'm holding it down here on Let's Go There. But guess what? We always got surprises. Big talent joining us. We have Dr. Jen Mann with us at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. She is one of the most well-known psychotherapists in the country, host and therapist for VH1's longstanding uh, shows Couples Therapy and Family Therapy with Dr. Jen. So I'm super excited to have her on. We have so many therapy needs here on the show. From vaccines and couples getting divorced and breaking up to how to deal with Karens in the world. I mean, there's so much need for therapy these days. So we've got you covered. And I I feel like I'm covered even here on the show. It's like it's like I'm being paid to uh, be in therapy here. But that and so much more coming up right now. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. Lots happening in our world today. Masks are again required for members of the House side of the U.S. Capitol amid a nationwide rise in cases of coronavirus under the re-implemented mandate. Members both vaccinated and unvaccinated must wear a well-fitted medical-grade filtration face mask. In-house buildings during meetings and while in the House chamber, under the order from Dr. Brian Monahan, Congress's attending physician, the new rule doesn't affect members of the Senate. The return of masks in the House comes a month after the requirement was first lifted for vaccinated members. And of course, uh, there's more happening around the country around mask mandates. We're going to be talking more about that in 15 minutes, too, with an infectious diseases expert. But let's move into what's happening at the Olympics. Michael Phelps shared his thoughts on Simone Biles withdrawing from the Games. We're humans. Right? We're human beings. Nobody is perfect. So yes, it is okay to not be okay. It is okay to, do, go, to go through ups and downs and emotional roller coasters. Um, you know, but, but I think the biggest thing is we all need to ask for help sometimes too when, when, when we go through those times. You know, for me, I can say personally, it was something that very challenging. It was hard for me to ask for help. Um, I, I, I felt like I was carrying, as Simone said, the weight of the world on your shoulders. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's a tough situation. 
Again, Biles withdrew from Thursday's individual all-around competition at the Tokyo Games to focus on her mental well-being. We'll be talking more about how that's going to impact the future of sports in 30 minutes right here on Let's Go There. Let's move on to some music news. Dua Lipa is speaking out against baby's homophobic comments at the Rolling Loud Festival. This is just crazy what's been coming out. The pop star who collaborated with baby on the popular remix of her song Levitating took to her Instagram story to condemn the comments baby made during his performance on Sunday night. So basically what happened is, according to a video posted by TMZ, DaBaby encouraged the audience to pull, uh, put their cell phone flashlights in the air if they didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, or any of them deadly sexually transmitted diseases that will make you die in two or three weeks. He also had many other derogatory remarks about HIV, AIDS, and LGBTQ plus people. Well, Lipa wrote on her Instagram story that she's surprised and horrified at his comments. She added... I really don't recognize this as the person I worked with. I know my fans know where my heart lies and that I stand 100% with the LGBTQ community. We need to come together to fight the stigma and ignorance around HIV and AIDS. A lot of people are coming out against a baby, as you can imagine. And thankfully, levitating, there's a new version of the song. Instead of listening to the one with the baby, listen to the one now with Megan the Stallion. Okay, now let's let's support Female that one. Power. Exactly. And so much still to destigmatize around HIV and AIDS and to f- inform people. This really shows that our journey is not done in terms of breaking down and debunking the misinformation around the HIV AIDS crisis. But that was so much trending this hour. Coming up with the variant increasing and uh, the third COVID vaccine is possibly in our future. We've got an infectious diseases expert joining us for many of those answers that uh, to questions you might have next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As the Delta variant leads to more cases and hospitalizations, lots of announcements are happening. A mask mandate, a possible third vaccine from Pfizer. It's, it's pretty hard to keep up, but here to update us on all of it is Dr. Amish Adalja, an infectious diseases expert. Thanks for being here again. Thanks for having me. So what is the current state of things? I mean, you come here on the show every week. How uh, different is it than last week at this time? It's not much different in terms of the spread of the virus. We still have hotspots, particularly in states where the vaccination rates are low, and we're seeing upticks in hospitalizations and some worries about capacity in some of those areas. And then for other parts of the country, COVID is is more manageable. It's not something inundating hospitals, although there are cases everywhere. And I think it's it's going to be like this for some time until more people get vaccinated because we're in this different phase of the pandemic where it's really a pandemic of the unvaccinated. I mean, I feel, and, and this is a bit of a, a bias, just because I hear about more people I know getting it doesn't mean it's increasing, but it just feels like more and more people are getting it around me, the variant. Well, the variant is more contagious. And if you've got people around you that might not be fully vaccinated, they're vaccinated. Uh, or maybe are too young to be vaccinated. They're all vaccinated. So there, have been, yeah, there have been more breakthrough infections with the Delta variant. And that's likely because it's more contagious. And that means that you get exposed to more virus when you're around somebody. And that might be enough to overcome the immunity that's been given to you by the vaccines. But I would just say that the breakthrough infections that are occurring 
are mostly clinically insignificant, meaning they don't have any symptoms at all or they're very mild symptoms. And that's actually evidence that the vaccines are working because they are making infections very, very mild. And that's what we wanted the vaccines to do is to tame this virus and prevent us from having severe disease, hospitalization or death. And, and that's what the vaccines are trem- doing tremendously, because if you walk through a hospital and see who's hospitalized, yep. virtually all of them are not vaccinated. And that's true, because when I ask my friends about their symptoms and how they're feeling, it's very light, right? It's, it's not intense. So that's good. But it doesn't mean you want to go out of your way to get it. Let's talk about the mask mandates. What's going on nationwide? I feel like we're hearing about a new update every day at this point. So the, the CDC updated their guidance yesterday regarding masks and what they did is said that if you're fully vaccinated and you're in high-risk situations indoor situations in certain parts of the country where there is high spread or or substantial spread of the virus they're recommending that you wear a mask even if you're fully vaccinated this is something I, i sort of disagree with but i'll go through their reasoning they they have investigated some reports where there are some fully vaccinated people who get a breakthrough infection that might be associated with enough virus that they could potentially be contagious to somebody else. But these are very rare occurrences and they're not responsible for what's driving cases across the country where it's unvaccinated people that might make up the vast, vast majority. So that's where the CDC guidance, that's what the CDC guidance update is about. I think it's going to be very difficult because those people in those areas where there is a lot of spread, where we want people to wear masks and get vaccinated, are probably not going to comply with any of this. And I think you're only going to see a marginal benefit, if any, with this change in guidance. Uh, And I think you might end up getting vaccine hesitancy in those areas where we want people to be vaccinated because now they may think nothing really changes for them if they get vaccinated. Yeah. And what about being inside? Do you think they're going to start doing some limitations around that? I don't think you're going to see capacity restrictions in general. You might see some municipalities do that. It's it's really the case that we have to start to understand that COVID is not going away, not going to be eliminated, not going to be eradicated. The goal has always been to make it more like other respiratory viruses. And if we're not seeing hospitals in crisis, I think we're in a good position and the vaccines are working. So we really have to just double down on getting vaccines into people and really just tying any public health intervention to hospitals worrying about their capacity. And we likely will have, you know, a two-track pandemic with one part of the country where it's well-controlled and another part where it continues to be a disruptive force. And what about this boost or third vaccine? What are you hearing? So uh, we know that Pfizer has been really uh, providing a lot of data regarding boosters. But what the data shows is not surprising that people who get a third dose get a higher antibody level. But we have to actually translate that into some clinical benefit. And to me, the threshold for needing a booster is to see fully vaccinated individuals getting breakthrough infections that land them in the hospital. And that's just not happening. So I don't necessarily think in the short term for the general public that's healthy, that a third, that a third shot of the Pfizer vaccine is justified. Maybe for immunocompromised patients, maybe they need three doses up front. And I think it's important to study boosters and to have a quick way to get them approved, but I don't think we're ready to pull the trigger yet. And remember, it's not, you know, the vaccines are meant to stop serious disease. If these mild breakthrough infections are occurring, that doesn't undermine the vaccines. And I think we have to keep uh, keep really drilling that into people. Yeah, it will become like a common flu. Is that it just kind of normalizing the fact that at a certain point, everyone will get a version of it? Exactly. That this is going to be something like 
the normal respiratory viruses we deal with year in and year out. And maybe down the road, fully vaccinated people, sometime everybody's probably going to get some mild infection with it because this is a virus that's established itself in the human population. And our goal was really to tame it and cease the public health emergency, which we've done in many parts of the country. And I think it's taking some time for people to come to grips with that or to understand that because they've been so scared and there's been so much misinformation and confusing information out there for so long. All right. Well, that was Dr. Amesh Adalja, an infectious diseases expert. Thanks again for being with us. Thanks for having me. Next up, as more athletes speak out about their mental health, how could that change the world of sports? We look at that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. I say um, put mental health first because if you don't, then you're not going to enjoy your sport and you're not going to succeed as much as you want to. So it's okay sometimes to even sit out the big competitions to focus on yourself because it shows how strong of a competitor and person that you really are rather than just battle through it. Yes, that was Simone Biles who has officially exited the Olympics, citing mental health issues. And joining us right now is Dr. Racine Henry, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist. Thanks for joining us. No problem. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, Now, this has created a lot of news around the world, obviously uh, in sports, but very much beyond. Let's first talk about the impact of someone like her speaking out about mental health in the world of sports. It's really impactful that Simone Biles, who is our best gymnast, I think that we've seen forever, um, coming forward and using her platform to say that her mental health needs her priority and needs her attention. As a black woman and an athlete, she's been under a lot of scrutiny since day one, and she's faced a lot of unfair judgment and criticism. Knowing all of that, she's still talking with her truth, and she's still speaking out about what is important to her and letting other athletes, other women, um, and just regular people know that it's okay to press pause and focus on you, which is something that I think as a society we don't value and we don't highlight enough. Definitely. And this comes on the heels of Naomi Osaka doing that as well. So what do you think is going on here? I think that the younger generation is in a really great position to be more honest than the older generations have been able to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's really powerful that they both are willing to take whatever heat may come with it to say, I'm not well, and I need time away from my profession to become well. Being in a pandemic and knowing that mental health sufferers have been going through even more suffering, knowing that as a therapist and amongst my colleagues, we talk about how many more people are coming to therapy in the last year and a half. This summer, even where clients normally drop out of therapy to enjoy the weather and to vacation, there are even more people attending therapy. So there's definitely a need for attention to be paid to mental health issues, but our society doesn't value that as much. We have a lot of instant gratification um, therapy like program, Mm -hmm. but I think that we need to be talking about are people getting the help that they need at the right level and what are the barriers to access that we can address and change so that more people can get the help they need without having to be a Simone Biles or a Naomi Osaka. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I think access is a huge conversation here as this becomes something that we all become more aware of. And while it's completely empowering. There's, of course, those like Charlie Kirk, who, along with other 
let's be clear, white cis hetero men are dragging Simone. I want to play a moment from this and get your take, doctor. Sure. You kidding me? Today, it's like, you know what? I'm not going to do something stupid and get hurt. It's just not worth it, especially when you have like three amazing athletes that can step up to the plate and do it. So you know who has the gold medal? Russia. Russia. I have to go look at these four foot eleven Russian Olympi- Olympians chewing on their gold medals, smirking at the Americans. I'm not okay with that. But honestly, that's where we're headed. We are raising a generation of weak people like Simone Biles. Again. I mean, when you hear something like that, what do you think, Dr. Racine? I'm both horrified Mm -hmm. and um, amused by it. You know, I think it's comical that any white man thinks that he can own a black woman's body. Simone Biles doesn't owe us anything. Naomi Osaka doesn't owe us anything. These are people who have dedicated their time and their lives to pursue their dreams, which happen to be a sport that we get to enjoy and be entertained by. If they decide I'm finished, Who in the world can say to them they're being selfish or spoiled or weak? He has no idea what it takes to be an Olympic athlete. He has no idea what these women are facing on a day-to-day basis. If someone is crying out for help and saying, I'm not okay, for you to have any other response than compassion and empathy means that you have some serious issues with that person beyond their humanity. You have an issue with them being a woman. You have an issue with them being a woman of color. And you have an issue with that woman of color saying what she wants and what she needs and demanding it and taking it. And that's his issue entirely. That has nothing to do with these two women whatsoever. And it's a joke that people usually only get the attention and help they need after something tragic happens. If one of these athletes had gotten hurt and then said, well, it was my mental health that was suffering, people would question that, but it would also say, well, why didn't you ask for help before? Why didn't you just do something before you got hurt? But now they are, it just demonstrates how much women of color are in a constant no-win situation. I mean, you said it. You couldn't have, I, or anyone couldn't have said it better than you just said it. And I, I think this is where the challenge lies, is while we are progressing and people like her speaking out, you've so many D-bags like this guy who continue uh, to uh, demean and belittle and do everything they can to put down any sort of advancement. And yes, we get to possibly ignore them or laugh it off. But like, what is it going to take now for us to look at these things and change how we um, deal with them? And, And do you think industries will also support the change i think the sports industry in itself is a really um dangerous industry right that we know that even male athletes there's a constant comparison being made to black athletes in the nba and and nfl feeling like they're part of a slave trade there are constant discussions about how black or female coaches are being kept out of leadership position or kept out of Um, opportunities. So I think if you look at what it takes to be an athlete, even from the collegiate level or younger than that, on up to professional sports, there is a common thread of inhumanity. There's a common thread of the spectators wanting to dictate what happens Mm -hmm. with the athletes and what they do and what they get our permission to do. And so for people to especially Simone Biles, who was a victim of sexual assault 
and I don't think has even been given enough grace to deal with that before being put back on the main stage to perform for us as an athlete. Um, I don't know what it will take for people to realize that there's a problem in the system and that we all as spectators and people who spend money to maintain these sports being a thing um, to use our dollars and our voices differently. But it's a really scary and dangerous um, situation, right, that we keep funneling people into and wanting more and more from them. Yeah. Well, Dr. Racine, Henry, thank you again for joining us for this. We hope to have you back. No problem. Thank you so much, Shira. Next up, how this airport worker calmly kicked a Karen off a flight and became a viral hero. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, we are back. We've got so much good stuff coming up for you. We're continuing our conversation about what to do in a relationship if both you uh, and your partner are approaching the vaccine and COVID differently. Dr. Jen will help us with that advice for this situation in 30 minutes. But guess what? She's joining us right now as we dive into some what's trending this hour. What's up, Dr. Jen Man? Hey, great to see you. Thanks so much for having me. I know. We love having you here as we continue to bring in some therapy into everything we do uh, because it's needed. Um, Also, we're going to be talking about how Lucy Liu is coming out about a hostile moment with Bill Murray on set. That's in a moment. But let's get into some what's trending this hour again. So um, Hot Girl Summer has made its way to the House of Representatives to get our attention around climate change. I rise to continue our celebration of hot FERC summer. As climate activist Fergie would certainly say, the FERC-alicious definition is to make our planet cooler. So listen up, y'all, because this is it. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, better known as the F to the E to the R to the C, is one of the most important federal agencies to fight climate change, and if I'm doing this right, one that a few more of you are now keeping track of. Having a well-air-conditioned home when it's hot, hot, that's FERC-alicious. I mean, he was trying. He definitely was. That, <laughs> that was Representative Sean Caston from Illinois. What he was talking about, if you're wondering, FERC is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. 
Did he make it sound sexier, Dr. Jen? I, I think he gave it his all, but I don't think that is for his forte. I, I think that the the cool and the funky and the hip is not for him. <laughs> I mean, at least he tried. He gets an, a medal for trying. I give him that. Let's get into some Olympics. This is crazy, this story that's come out. A number yeah. of users on TikTok and Twitter have exploited Grinders Explore feature to zoom in on the Olympic Village in Tokyo and expose the profiles of queer athletes competing in the Summer Olympics, including at least one athlete from a country where same-sex sexual relations are illegal. So, you know, at first, this story is funny. You're like, oh, this is smart. Find a hot Olympian, right, using the Grinder feature. However, it's actually dangerous, Yes. Yeah. It, it's it's dangerous. And it's also, it's invasive. It's exploitive. It's cruel mm-hmm. that this is part of someone's personal sexual life, regardless of sexual orientation. It's just personal. But then throw on top of it that some of these people come from countries where they could be arrested, yeah. they could be harmed, that there are, that violence could be inflicted upon them, that this is so, so invasive and so cruel that it's really quite stunning. It is. And I think this user got the point because he got a lot of remarks like that. And the video was then removed by TikTok for violating community guidelines. And a later post from the same user appeared to mock, unfortunately, the removal, as well as the public backlash to his actions, which shows this person just does not get it. I mean, no, for not, real. And also... You got to wonder what's going on with this person that they are so invested in exposing and outing other people. And, you know, I always come back to there's a really fascinating study that I remember reading in grad school when we were studying human sexuality that found that men that were homophobic, that when they put these little bands around their penises that measured blood flow and showed them pornography that the men who were the most homophobic had the most significant blood flow to their genitals and were most turned on by the pornography. So I always, when I hear of people outing other people, being cruel to other people, being homophobic, my first thought is, hmm, what's going on in you that you're disowning, that you haven't made peace with, that you're so focused on this? And this person actually was very honest with the fact that he wanted a boyfriend, but I just didn't see the problematic nature of doing this, thought it was funny. And that goes back to the fine line of social media and also like what people think is funny these days versus what is harmful. Uh, so, yeah, let us yeah. know what you think about all of that at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. And we're going to be talking more about that Lucy Lou Bill Murray confrontation on the Charlie's Angels set in the next What's Trending this hour in a moment. Dr. Jen Mann is with us during uh, the rest of the show. So excited to have you. And coming up, how to BS like a pro according to experts who study BS. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back talking about the art of BSing because according to experts, it is an art. And back with us is Dr. Jen Mann, psychotherapist, of course, from VH1's longstanding hit shows, Couples Therapy, Family Therapy. Thanks for hanging out with us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about BS. I mean, why do you think people do that? Is it a good way to get through life? Uh, look, I mean, it, it, it 
is it a good way to get through life? No, but do do most people do it at some point in their life? Absolutely. I mean, look, whether it is you're a kid and you BS your parents to get around curfew or you're late on turning in an assignment and like people do it. And, you know, it's kind of like I have a, a friend who is uh, she's referred to as a human lie detector. And she's been on my show, couples therapy and family therapy a million times. And she always says it's nobody goes through their whole life without lying. Everybody lies at some point. Sometimes it's, oh yeah, no, your butt looks great in those jeans. Like, absolutely. So really what it, what matters is what is the extent of the BS? How much are you doing? How authentic are you being in your life? Are you using the BS to help to avoid hurting someone's feelings? Are you using it to help promote your career? Are you like, what are you using it for? And I think that that's really also a question of kind of, being aligned with your own moral compass as well. Yeah, definitely. Because there are experts that now study BS. We can't say the word, by the way, if you're wondering why we keep saying BS. And how to BS like a pro. So what are the benefits of knowing how to do this? Well, I think it's a form of manipulation. And the truth is that sometimes we need to manipulate to get our way, to help ourselves, to better our lives in in some way. And sometimes that requires a little BS, you know, call it what you will, whether it's BS or uh, exaggerating or manipulating. But sometimes we use that to further our careers, our relationships and various different things in our lives. And I think it's wise to know when you're telling the truth, when you're not, and also when you're manipulating, because you want to be authentic and you want to be in tune with yourself, even if you're doing something that may be manipulative. Yeah, I find it hard to see how it's like long term beneficial. I mean, I get it for like quick hits and things you need and flat like the difference between flowering something like putting yeah. a little like softening the edges and making the package yeah. a little nicer for your boss or for when you're yeah. pitching a client or Maybe for your like social media following or your parents, but I feel like for your like real close relationships and like sustainable relationships, I just don't know how, yeah, sustainable that is or healthy. And, and I think it also depends on how you define BS because I think the way one person defines it may be totally different than another. And so, to me, I agree with you. Look, your our, I think our relationships in order to have depth and connection need to be as authentic and honest as possible. And I also think that there are times where we tend to say something that is not necessarily 100% true. And sometimes we do it to uh, help the relationship. Sometimes we do it to help ourselves. Sometimes we do it for good. Sometimes we do it for bad. And I think it's important to know the difference. This article calls out Deepak Chopra to talk about the BS that can lead to huge profits and recognition. How Chopra has made millions of dollars from books and giving talks about consciousness, where he liberally peppers his absurd claims with new age type buzzwords and jargon in a way that makes uh, what he's saying sound more impressive to some people, even though he's saying is what he's saying is often meaningless gibberish. So, I mean, that that's a, a big claim, but I, I guess you could say in many ways, I mean, do we BS on this show? Do we like, you know, flower sometimes or like get deeper into things that we wouldn't get deeper into if like you were just talking to us at a dinner party? Well, uh, let me go back to Deepak yeah, first. Let's talk about it. Because 
look, I I believe that he believes everything he's saying wholeheartedly. And I think for him, it's a philosophy. I think it's deeply great in him. So for him, it's not BSing. It, and I know the article talks a little bit about um, kind of trying to flower things. And they, they looked at kind of art and when there were subtitles underneath or, you know, paragraphs kind of describing like why you should like this art, people tended to like the art more, which again, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think if you, if Deepak Chopra really believes what he's saying, using flowery language to help illustrate his point, well, some may consider that BS because maybe it's not how he talks in his day-to-day life. I'm all for it. Whatever helps people connect with what's meaningful to him and what's meaningful to them. And, you know, look, do do we talk in all circumstances the way we do at home with our partner or our friend? No, look, we kind of, it's like the Billy Joel song. We all have a face that, that we present to the public and private ones and different faces in different situations. So I think that, that we have to really look at, again, how are we defining BS and how is it being used? Is it being used to harm and manipulate? And look, if Deepak Chopra does not believe what he's spent his whole life writing about, then I would say, yeah, that's that He's is a fraud. That deeply would be, disturbing. Yeah, yeah that but would I don't be think that's the case. Exactly. So the lesson here is, it's okay to BS. Just talk the talk and walk the walk. Don't don't fake it. You're going to be called out at a certain point. Again, Dr. Jen Man is hanging out with us throughout the show today. Ryan is out. Coming up, we're continuing our conversation about vaccines and marriage. Couples breaking up because of conspiracy theories and what to do about it. That's next. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yesterday, we talked about how conspiracy theories are tearing couples apart. And, you know, we didn't have an expert on for that one. It was just me and Ryan venting about the whole thing, what we would do in that scenario and giving our non-expert expert advice. But we do have a psychotherapist joining us today. So we thought it'd be good to get her actual advice, Dr. Jen Mann. So... What is your take on this, Dr. Jen? Have you been having a lot of clients talk about this? Yes, I've actually spent a lot of time. uh, It has been a very hot topic in individual therapy, couples therapy, family therapy, where one person in the family or the couple has a differing view about vaccines and these kind of conspiracy theories that have flourished and kind of helping couples and families to have calm, rational, calm conversations. And because something like a vaccine, I I think what, what people often miss in this conversation is that it gets heated because people are scared. People on both sides are scared. People who believe in vaccines and science are scared that the people who are not getting them are helping the virus to mutate and outsmart vaccines and harm and and flourish and develop new variants, which mm-hmm. we know based on science to be true. And people who aren't have a lot of fears about what the vaccines do or questions about COVID and what it really does and how destructive it really is. And 
Also, a lot of the people who I've talked to in recent weeks and months who have concerns about it have a lot of misinformation or are hearing anecdotal information and then are really scared to make the move and actually get a vaccine. Yeah. And so to me, really what it, in order to have conversations that are actually productive, first of all, you always want to kind of go with, you know, there's a, a, a very famous researcher named John Gottman. And John Gottman studies couples in their natural habitat. The they, Institute. they monitor everything the couples say, their heart rate, everything. And what he's found is that something like 97% of the time, the way an argument or a discussion begins is the way it ends. Mm. So if you start off aggressive or hostile talking about this, you are not going to get your partner to hear you. You're not going to affect change. And a lot of the time we come into this so hot and so frustrated and so triggered ourselves and we don't even realize it, that our conversations are ineffective. And in order to have a conversation with someone that we care about enough to be talking about this with, we need to come from a place of love and a place of wanting to understand what their concerns are. We want to ask open-ended questions. We don't want to lecture and finger wag. We want to be calm. We want to notice when we're being triggered so that we aren't the ones who are escalating the, the heat on the conversation because that's not going to help. But what about, and you also, yeah, but what about yeah. if you've already done this, you're already past this point and it's yeah. the same conversation over and over again. Like what are couples supposed to do at this point? Are you seeing a lot of people break up or get divorced? And how do you also yeah. balance as, as a therapist, like n- without, you know, confront to these, Oh, the science and then just conspiracy yeah. theories. I'm not going to lie. It's challenging. I am seeing couples who are breaking up over this. And and look, one other pit stop, if you've done this, but it hasn't been effective, is to refer your partner who is struggling with this to someone who they respect, Mm. a medical doctor, a clergy member, a uh, mentor, someone who who also sees things the way you do and who can have an effective conversation and actually may have a a different way of influencing. And, you know, one of the things that you have to also look at is that sometimes we assume that the person we're talking to will be influenced by the thing that influenced us. And that's not the case. And I remember reading a study about men and mask wearing. And what they found in the study was that when men were told, you need to wear this to protect the community, that men didn't wear masks. But when men were told, if you wear this, it will protect your family and your loved ones, they were far more likely to wear a mask. So what we really have to look at is what motivates the person that we're talking to, to potentially do something that they're scared of. And what information or what other influential person might be able to help them to see things differently or even question their beliefs? Because sometimes people get so entrenched in their beliefs that even when they are given information that is counter to that, they hold tight because their egos are involved, they, their identity is involved, and yeah. they, they will hold tight just because they don't want to lose face. And I think the other part is you got to give people the room to save face if they change their mind. To be able to change their mind without, and I told you so, or finally you did the right thing, or anything like that. And, and that's an important part of the conversation. And in the end, look, I am seeing couples who, who are breaking up over this. 
and where this is really destroying their relationships. But I think a lot of the time when it gets to that point, people haven't done these other things that I that I've just mentioned. Okay, well, that was all really good advice. A lot to wrap our minds around. LGT shows where you could find us on social media. If you need advice, you want to ask questions to Dr. Jen Man about your life, about your relationship. Also, what's the number? Should we give the number one eight? What? Oh, is it there? I've like we haven't brought up the number in so long. I feel like I almost forgot it. Eight three three seven seven two five five seven. Eight three three seven seven OQ. Is that it? Yes, that's it. Okay, sorry about that. God, it's been a while. But coming up, Simone Biles' latest social media posts revealing more about her mental health since bowing out of the Olympics. We're looking at that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Simone Biles hinted that the sexual abuse she suffered at the hands of Larry Nassar was in part behind her decision to bow out of the Olympics. She shared a message on social media. This was one of the first since this announcement. And it was from a fellow gymnast who defended her decision and included the trauma that she endured. So back with us is Dr. Jen Mann. And you are in some ways connected to this because you have a background in um, gymnastics is that yes. true in sports? And yeah, I was, I did rhythmic gymnastics, which is the stuff with the ribbon and the hoops, clubs, rope ball. I was on the national team for about five years. I performed exhibitions in the 84 Olympics. I also wow. have done sports psychology for USA Gymnastics for the athletes. I spent a lot of time at Olympic training camp, You've done all of that sort of stuff. Um, and also regarding sexual assault, I spent the first two years of my career Uh, working for what was then called the Los Angeles Commission on Assaults Against Women as a rape and domestic violence uh, counselor and trained hundreds of women to do the counseling as well. So this this hits on a lot of fronts for me. Yeah, so when you heard of her decision and now this, how do we all wrap our heads around this? Like, how would you have dealt with that if you were the person supporting her? Because I'm sure they do have therapists there on site, right? And mental health professionals, Well, fortunately, most um, athletes and most athlete organizations like USA Gymnastics now value therapy, they value sports psychology, they value all of that kind of stuff because they recognize that that enhances performance. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, look, I mean, what USA Gymnastics allowed to happen regarding Larry Nassoff is abominable. It is horrific it's it's shocking it's deplorable it's it's it it really blows my mind and i've heard a lot in my years as an athlete and as a coach and a sports psychologist and a therapist but it really is quite stunning um but when it comes to what would i have done look first of all going into this i'm shocked that there wasn't more prevention going into it in terms of someone sitting down and talking with her and recognizing that if she's going into the Olympics, having this many emotional issues where she ultimately pulled out, what kind of support was she getting leading up to this? Why wasn't this recognized far enough in advance to be able to go to the team and say, hey, there's there's an alternate who's waiting in line this woman has been to the Olympics. She doesn't feel emotionally ready, which you got to respect. Mm-hmm. She wants to, to be there for her team, but let's let someone else have a chance and have the time to emotionally prepare for something as 
huge and significant as the Olympics. And, and, you know, I think that that's where there was a failure in the system. I mean, obviously the, the larger, far more significant glaring failure in the system was that she was sexually abused by this man to begin with, which is horrific, but that in the lead up to the Olympics, that there wasn't someone who was able to say, hey, this is really serious. This is so serious that this top level, amazing athlete feels that she may not be able to perform. That is very significant. And that that wasn't addressed leading up and it got to this point is really unfortunate for everyone. It's unfortunate for Simone. It's unfortunate yeah. for her teammates. It's unfortunate for the alter- alternate who is now stepping in, who probably wasn't as mentally prepared as they could be for something as, as huge as this. I just, I just think it's so inspirational. We need to wrap up, up here just to step up and, and for yourself and your needs is something yeah. that we all get to look towards. And athletes like her and are leading the way in terms of that conversation. Uh, but we need to take a break. This could go on. We could have a whole hour-long conversation about this. Uh, but next up, we're going to be telling you about a big tech company who just announced that they're requiring all employees to be vaccinated. We'll tell you who right after this on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, we're talking about honesty bombing and how it's this new post-quarantine dating trend. Uh, that's in 30 minutes. Sp- specifically, Dr. Jen Mann is with us, who's a psychotherapist, filling in for Ryan, who's out today as uh, my lovely co-host. And this is something that you wrote a bit about, so we're excited to talk about it on the show. We're not going to tease too much. Okay, fair enough. Fair, but it's fair it's called honesty bombing, and it's a new dating trend. Let's get into some what's trending this hour right now, though. A new effort will help trans researchers update their names in published works. And this is something that the Berkeley Lab is coordinating to help trans researchers update their names. This is really great. Under the partnership, a trans academic can now ask the Berkeley Lab or one of the other 16 national labs for help. They will pursue name changes directly on their behalf with the publishers and journals. Now, big tech companies like Google, Facebook, and Lyft will require employees returning to offices to be vaccinated against COVID-19. They said that in separate announcements today, actually. Isn't that interesting that all companies would announce this in one day? Like, it shows you where things are headed, that they all just dropped that. I, look, I think it's we're moving in a great direction where more and more people are recognizing trans people and recognizing them as the identity that they were born to be. And I think that that's a a great step in our world. Yeah, definitely. And now what do you think about, by the way, Dr. Jen, um, these big tech companies like Google, Facebook and Lyft announcing that they will require their employees to be vaccinated? I think that it is a step towards helping the world conquer this virus and preventing any more new mutations from arising, and I think that that is fantastic. And I think that it's it's really a, a community service to to better and make the world safer. Yeah, Google CEO uh, Sundar Pichai said in a memo, in a memo, anyone coming to work on our campuses will need to be vaccinated. We're rolling this policy out in the U.S. in the coming weeks. We'll expand to other regions in the coming months. And he added that getting vaccinated is one of the most important ways to keep ourselves and our communities healthy in the months ahead. 
And finally, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren is still urging President Biden to cancel student loan debt. I get her give her credit because she keeps on <laughs> bringing this up, trucking along with this message, which is a good one. Loan debt to pick up a pen. So, so we're okay. here today to say tick tock, tick tock, Mr. President. Millions of Americans ask you now to pick up a pen and cancel student loan debt, to pick up a pen and extend the payment pause, to pick up a pen and make their lives better. She continues to say this. I think we hear these sound bites all the time. And yet Biden hasn't really stepped into this and made a decision to cancel all student loan debt, although he's aware that there needs to be something done, obviously. I also think you have to ask yourself, like, yes, who doesn't want to be relieved of of student loan debt? But if you're the person who just busted your butt working for years paying back your student loan debt how does that person feel when their friend who graduated the following year gets to be completely absolved of their debt like i think it brings up a lot of interesting questions that is not quite as black and white as a lot of people would like to think it is that's where empathy and compassion comes in it's just like you win some you lose some it wasn't your generation. It wasn't supposed to hit your generation. Let's finally get into this story because we uh, teased it earlier. Lucy Liu, the actress, is speaking out about the moment she stood up to Bill Murray on the set of Charlie's Angels. She recalled a heated exchange during an appearance on the Los Angeles Times Asian Enough podcast. She actually didn't get into specifics, but she remembered how she and some co-stars reworked a scene for the 2000 movie. Murray wasn't able to attend the rehearsal when he returned to shoot the scene. She claims he was upset and unfairly singled her out. She said, as we're doing the scene, she, he starts to sort of hurl insults. Uh, but it kept going on and on. She didn't get into specifics. And she said... He seems like he's looking straight at me. I couldn't believe that the comments could be towards me because what do I have to do with anything majorly important at that time? I literally do the look around my shoulder thing. Like, who is he talking to? She said, I'm so sorry. Are you talking to me? And clearly he was because then it started to become a one-on-one communication. What do you think about this, Dr. Jinman? You know, it, it without all the details, it's a little hard to know what was going on. Like, did he say something that was racist, that was yeah. sexist, which is, of course, completely not okay. So you you got to wonder what was going on. Also, like, I don't know if he has any addiction personally. I don't know if he was having a bad day. But either way, look, it's not okay to be abusive to someone who you work with. It's not okay to be verbally abusive. It's not okay to take out your bad day on other people. I hope that he makes amends to her. I hope that he learns a lesson from this and treats people better if that is a pattern of um, behavior for him. I don't know if there are any other stories out about him, but hopefully he will learn and make amends to her and learn from this. Yeah, his people have not responded or he hasn't, but he doesn't, he like lives in a, I don't even know where he does. He's not on social media. He's not anywhere. I heard the people have to like send um, a paper letter to get him to be in their movie or something. Anyway, uh, (laughs) well, that was what's trending this hour, but coming up the future of college and it might be without homework. What does that look like? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan channel Q. Many conversations are circulating around the future of college. Some are claiming it's not rigorous enough, while others question whether that would even solve the issue, make us know what we're doing more. (laughs) Casey Culver is with us right now, a senior postdoctoral researcher at the Polyus Center for Higher Education at the University of Southern California. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. Uh, and of course, Dr. Jen Mann also joins us. We're doubling up. We have uh, Dr. Jen as my co-host today. So you have an expert here too joining us, Casey. So hey <laughs> you have been... How are you doing, Dr. Jen? <laughs> Good, thank you. So you've been studying this, Casey. What have you discovered so far? Well, what, one of the things that I've discovered is that the way that we talk about college, it matters, you know, what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So... Um, some people measure how the quality of college or the rigor of college based on the amount of work that students are asked to do. The other way that you can think about quality of college is about how much it challenges students to think in new ways and to be open to new perspectives. And so the research that I've done um, has found that what really matters is the work that helps students discover new perspectives, evaluate arguments, make their own arguments, and that the amount of work that they do doesn't help them to become better thinkers or to want to engage in critical thinking. Definitely. That's that's really interesting. So, you know, I mean, there are some classes in college where you feel like the professor is just piling on the homework and the amount of homework that you spend for the, the amount of time that you spend doing the homework um, is really spent memorizing things. I remember, for instance, having to memorize the periodic table, right, for a chemistry class. And that certainly didn't help me become a critical thinker or want to think critically. And did you find when you looked at this, that there was a difference in the types of homework, like memorization of the periodic table versus homework writing an essay about something meaningful to the student? Absolutely. You just touched on one of the best ways that you can help students develop critical thinking skills, because when you do writing, what you're doing is you're summarizing and synthesizing information you're um, thinking about information in new ways and you're deepening your understanding of it. So do you think uh, homework will be different in the future? Like what does homework look like and how do we get people to really understand subjects? Because what you just said totally resonates for me. I feel like so much of what I studied way back, like in, in, in my ear out the other, like I don't even remember things I mean, maybe that's a whole other issue, but I I feel like obviously (laughs) the way I learned wasn't the right way. I I call it academic bulimia when you kind of stuff it all in and memorize it and then you kind of vomit it out to like get the test right or please the teacher. And then that's what I did. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great metaphor for it. Yeah. Um, You know, just rote memorization isn't going to help anybody. And so, I mean, hopefully, um, you know, faculty members pay attention to this. The problem is, too, though, that faculty members are often overworked. And so grading a paper is a lot more difficult than grading a multiple choice test. So we also have to value our faculty members better if we want them to be willing to engage in the work that really helps students learn and develop, you know, great skills for um, making decisions as adults. And what about, you know, like I remember when I was in elementary school, we were given this test that measured the different ways that people learn, like 
auditory, visual, kinesthetic, like all that kind of stuff. Is there a difference when it comes to looking at education for the masses? If one student learns well one way, another learns well another way, like what is the best way to handle sort of the volume of people and kind of a, get the most people to get the most out of their education? You bring up something that's really interesting because there's been some research done that suggests that those learning types don't really exist. Um, students definitely have preferences for the types of ways that they learn, but um, it's not that students can only learn one way. And I'll tell you actually one of the most effective ways uh, to have people learn is to do so collaboratively. We're way too individualistic um, in our, the ways that we treat education, it's about your test score and your paper. But when we ask students to talk to one another about it, they're also engaging in this evaluation of arguments and thinking about things deeply. And if we create a system where everybody can succeed, then we can help students learn across learning preferences. Uh, well, thank you so much. That was Casey Culver uh, from the University of Southern California, a senior postdoctoral researcher. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too. Very interesting stuff. Well, coming up, we're continuing to learn. Dr. Jen Mann is going to teach us about honesty bombing and how it's become a new dating trend. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're back. We love to talk about trends here on Let's Go There, and this is a new one. It's called Honesty Bombing. It's a new post-quarantine dating trend, and Dr. Jen Mann actually wrote about this in her weekly column in InStyle magazine. It's called Hump Day with Dr. Jen. That's the column. She gives sex and relationship advice, and we've got her here with us today, so we're going to use and abuse that. Just get all your information to help us all today. And, and, you know, I think that this is a great new trend. And basically... I believe it's really come from that we have spent this year plus in quarantine, many of us in lockdown, where we've had the chance to really evaluate what do we want in a relationship, where we have to kind of evaluate our dates. Is this person worth the risk of sharing air with? That it's, it's really a whole new standard. And as a result of that, there is this new trend of honesty bombing where people really just cut to the chase, mm. where they are much more honest on dates, where they have conversations really right up front, first date, second date, third date about relationship needs, children, wants, gold, marriage, like all that sort of stuff. And I think that people are really, they're done wasting time, that, that there's a sentiment right now that life is too short. Yeah. And that I think this honesty bombing is, is actually really good. And, and what they found is when they've done these surveys, is that 72% of singles are more willing to share who they are and what they're looking for in a relationship. And to me, that's a really good statistic. And that's a really positive thing for the health of relationships and for couples. I agree. Uh, and of course, there's like something to be said about the journey of like immature dating. Like everyone goes through it, right? <laughs> like yeah. It's just part of life. It's part of growing up. But I, yeah. I do think if that became more of a norm, like how much maybe um, how much less some people or I would have suffered even at different points in dating because like I didn't feel comfortable with being fully upfront. Right? I didn't even understand what that meant. Right. I didn't have the tools. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I think also that sometimes we end up wasting time with someone who has such different relationship goals than us, where you think like, oh, we're both interested in having a relationship. And it turns out that person is just interested in some sex or that person actually really wants to get married. Like, I think that this is a very positive trend. And the other thing that people are talking about more as a result of this trend are issues like mental health, Mm -hmm. vaccines, monogamy, family, historical trauma, politics, marriage. And these are really hot button important issues. Whether you're going to have a brief affair with someone or a longstanding relationship or a marriage with them, these are things that I think are becoming more and more important to people. And when we're, again, sharing air, when we're spending time with people, given kind of that we know now how life is just way too short, knowing how this other person feels about those things, I think is is actually a really positive thing. Yeah. How do you deal with that on dating apps then? Like, how are you bringing up or being clear about these like really deep things with like 140 characters or something you know it's like I always think it's interesting how we get deep with like with technology and so little on a profile well I mean look me personally I'm in a relationship but what I am advising producer Vanessa is an expert on the apps yeah what 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 I am advising people in my practice to do people that I'm talking to is to be more honest about what they're looking for, to be more honest about the things that are really important to them, like vaccination status, like politics, like marriage, that these are things that why waste, why even bother to meet up with someone if you know that on a core issue, this is just not a match. And how do people, and then I want to get producer Vanessa's take, and maybe she has a question, but because she's the single person here. But uh, w- I'm dating someone wait. that I met on a dating app. Okay. So, oh, right, so yeah. producer Vanessa, do you feel like you are honesty bombing these days? How do you Honestly, deal with he's that? honesty bombing me. Oh. <laughs> it's intense. And I've already yeah. gotten scared with him three times because, like, it's like I stopped talking to him because he, he knows that he would marry me. And I was like, yo, we just met. Like, chill out. Well, yeah. Like, he's doing the thing oh. because of COVID. He's like, I'm just here looking for my real person. And I was like, me too. But if you don't tell me, I feel like I would go with you. I'll go with it. But like you telling me is just scaring me off. But still, he's super awesome. So I'm like, I'm scared, but I'm there. But I wish he wasn't so honest. (laughs) And how long have you been dating this guy? Uh, Since April, on and off. Because he scares me. So so it's been a a few months. It's still kind of early. And, And there's a difference between honesty bombing and putting the relationship on like speed dial, like, like rushing Mm -hmm. through things. And and I do want to say that I think it's great to be honest and authentic and align values. But I also think it's really important to pace the relationship because you don't know if you have a viable relationship until you have seen how the person performs over time. That's what I is an important element. And That's also, exactly it, what I tell this kid. It's also not fair. Yeah. I've been in those relationships where someone was ahead of me, which is fine, but they're not respecting where I'm at. It needs to be yeah. consensual or else then it just feels like you feel pressured and you're moving forward more for the other person than for yourself. And I also think sometimes when someone pushes too hard, it can feel like, oh, they just want to get married or they just want to have kids. Like I'm irrelevant. Like I'm just kind of feeling the slot. 
Like oh, you need to yeah. get to know me to see like, is this really, is it that you're in love with me or you're in love with the idea of me or the idea of, of this vision you have for your life with someone? Like, what is it? And you don't know until you see over time. You are not just a checkbox, Vanessa. That's what I'm saying. And you exactly. listening, if anyone's listening that needs this advice. Okay, well, check out uh, the whole article on InStyle.com, Dr. Jen Man, about honesty bombing. But coming up, Dr. Jen is sticking around with us. We're talking about video resumes and what you'll have to do to get a job in the future. Is this it? Doing a video resume? Do you even want to do that? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There is so much happening in the workplace right now. I mean, there's an employee shortage. Employees are uh, Employers are having a hard time recruiting. While many people are still unemployed coming out of the pandemic. I mean, I don't even know where to start with all these issues. But the question is, could TikTok be the answer? <laughs> Dr. Jen Man again is with us. That's the laugh you're hearing because... Dr. Jen, they launched TikTok resumes to compete with LinkedIn. They did this pilot program in July. So is this the future of the hiring process? I got to say, I mean, look, I think that maybe for certain industries, um, especially kind of young, creative industries, that may be the case. I would hate to see this replace resumes because I think also that there are a lot of people who work very hard and who are not as outgoing, who may be yeah. more introverted, who may not represent well on TikTok. And I think that those are very valuable employees that will be put at a disadvantage as opposed to the outgoing, kind of showy, more kind of obviously charismatic person that, you know, doesn't need warm up time that some people need before they kind of show their wonderfulness. Totally. So, I, I would hate to see this replace that. I think it's an interesting adjunct, but I'm hoping it won't replace the, a, a good resume. Well, here's an example of one of those TikTok resumes from user Jade Carson. Hi, everyone. My name is Shade, and this is my TikTok resume to help me find a job. So I'm a recent graduate of Howard University, in which I received my Bachelor of Science in Health Education. I'm a member of a business and professional sorority, as well as serving as campus rep for companies such as Ethos, a student brand marketing manager for TinderU, as well as a campus director for Bumble on my campus. This past year, I had the pleasure of serving as a marketing intern for Penguin Random House and currently as a public relations. I mean, okay. You're hired. I mean, this is pretty impressive. It could be very intimidating for other people. I mean, it definitely gives you a sense of the person's vibe. Um, you can kind of see their face, their expressions. You get you can get more of a sense of their essence, which yeah. can be really cool in terms of getting a feel of like, hey, is this someone who will really work with our company culture? Is this someone who seems like a good fit? But again, to me. You know, people work really hard, and I think that their that resumes are still really valuable, and that to be able to to list off things that you did and kind of, I think one minute is a very short period of time, especially for people who have a more diverse resume, for people who have more work experience, to be able to say like, hey, this is how I changed this company at work, or this is how I made a difference with that company, and I think it's it's a short period of time to have to cover a lot of information. Oh yeah. 
I mean, that's a skill, by the way. I mean, if you're hiring someone yeah. for your TikTok or social media marketing, that's where you're going to find a good person. I do think I'm fascinated by the talent, the diverse spectrum of talent on TikTok. The issue is they have had their fair share of criticism and controversy around how they treat and their algorithms, the black, Latino, Asian creators of color, those communities. So this brings up an issue around bias, around what, you know, what will come up for employers, right? If they're already having bias around the content, what, who says that they won't have bias um, and issues around like what um, what videos that you're seeing as an employer? And then also there is a bit of like making sure that it's fair, safe and equitable across all underrepresented groups. And how do you do that? I mean, on one side, you're giving a voice. And then on the other side, you're also blatantly showing who you are, which I think identity is a huge part of why and how we get hired these days as well. It's all integrated. Absolutely. I, I agree with what you're saying about biases and you know i know i have two daughters i named them very gender neutral names because oh. i thought hey one day this could be on a resume and i don't want someone to be biased mm, those are things you got to think about well do you think tiktok resumes are the future it's going to uh you know ruin linkedin at lgt shows where you can hit us up slide into our dms we love to hear from you let's go there with shira and ryan channel q we're back and wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. And uh, Dr. Jen Mann, since you are our guest co-host today, we'll start with you. Who do okay, you want to give my, a Yaz Queen to? My queen is Rachel Chapman. Um, for anyone who has seen my my show, Couples Therapy, you know her from season one. She Many people know her as the paralyzed bride. She was pushed in a swimming pool the night of her bachelorette party and broke her back. I remember And this. she is one of the most inspiring people that I know. I think about her every day. I'm still in touch with her. I think I don't tell her enough how much she has inspired me. And she has made such progress in her physical strength that she is able to do some workouts now in her wheelchair. She is a mother now. Her marriage is amazing. And she's just one of the most wow. inspiring people I know. I just got chills. I remember when that happened. I read about that. That was that yeah. story is crazy. Well, thank you for that and yeah. enlightening us. I love discovering new folks. So got to check her out as well on social media and everything that she's up to. And finally, because there's so much happening at the Olympics, we've got a Yaz Queen coming from the Olympics. I might butcher this, but it's Katarzyna Zilman, a rower competing for Team Poland, brought home the silver along with her team in the quadruple skulls. She then took the mic and thanked her girlfriend. So much great LGBTQ representation at the Olympics this year, more than ever before. Uh, she says, um, the conversations with you after the medal race were not groundbreaking for me. I've already talked about it in interviews before, but for some reason it wasn't published. While she was never closeted, she explained that now having the platform of an Olympic silver medalist, she wants to use it to benefit the community. She said, I know that in this way I will help others. It was enough that I showed up in the t-shirt with the words sport against homophobia. And I got a few messages from young girls practicing rowing. She said one of them opened up to me, described her difficult home situation, confessed that I helped her a lot with my attitude. A message is enough to completely forget about thousands of hate comments and disgusted faces, which is really unfortunate. But uh, congrats to uh, Zillman and, of course, her relationship, which is goals. Love that. Yes. And gold. I think that's an Olympic gold relationship as exactly. well. Exactly. That does it for our Yaz Queen of the Day and our show today. I want to thank Dr. Jen Mann for joining me as our special guest co-host. And before you leave, I know you have a book to plug. 
I do. My book is called The Relationship Fix, Dr. Jen's Six-Step Guide to Improving Communication, Connection, and Intimacy. And basically, reading the book is like doing a year of therapy with me. Oh, my God. Well, go pick it up. It's probably also cheaper if you pick up the book. And follow her on social media at Dr. Jen Man. Two ends on each of those. Thank you again. Hope to have you back. That would love to. Thanks so much for having me. And coming up on tomorrow's show, we're back here on Channel Q Live, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Dr. Jean Simmons is here with us. Doctors are always in the house here. And we're going to be talking about how HIPAA works because there is so much misinformation out there and people are talking about it everywhere on the news. So we are getting into it on the show. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We're sending you love and light and stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering what matters most when it comes to dating. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.